What a joy to be with you this evening, to pray with you on this, this shortest of all possible fourth weeks of Advent. It's the shortest possible fourth week of Advent. Uh, thank you to Father Mark for the generous invitation to be with you, to preach, to take this time in these closing hours of the season of Advent. It's this beautiful season which the church gives us, this time to prepare for the coming of the Lord. Now, if your experience of the season of Advent is anything like mine, you'll have noticed that it's a particularly busy time of year. There are many things in these days that call for our time, that call for our attention. And many of these are, are wonderful, good things. Family gatherings, preparation, perhaps Christmas parties, perhaps it's just the busyness of life as things pick up in our place of work or in our homes. Then there are also those things which call for our attention, call for our time, that are perhaps less savory, that pile of Christmas cards that simply isn't going to address itself, that string of Christmas lights, which once again this year seems to have three feet right in the middle of it, which is not working. All of these things that call for our time, call for our attention, yet in some ways remain only at the surface level of this invitation to prepare, to prepare for the coming of the Lord. And so what these final hours of Advent do is they invite us to move from the exterior to the interior, to move from what can be at times the chaos of the world that surrounds us, sometimes even the chaos and the noise of our own lives. And this fourth Sunday of Advent invites us into a preparation of our own hearts to enter into silence so that Christ the Lord can meet us in the depths of our soul. And you know, when we turn from the exterior to the interior, oftentimes there's something surprising that happens. And that surprising thing is that in all the particularities of our daily lives, God comes to meet us right in the midst of the Christmas cards that need to be addressed and the strings of lights that won't work. God comes into the very midst of it. You know, in the first reading, King David is principally concerned with things that are on the exterior. He's spent all of this time building his house. He's built the royal palace in the city of Jerusalem. And then he's prompted to turn and consider his relationship with the Lord. And he says, it's not right for me to be living in this beautiful house while God dwells in a tent. It's a reference to the presence of God that traveled with the people of Israel all throughout the wanderings in the wilderness as they were led by Moses 
right up until the time that the people of Israel came into the promised land and entered the city of Jerusalem. And so King David takes it upon himself to say, I would like to build a house for the Lord. He moves from his exterior concerns to interior ones, to things that pertain to his relationship with God. And it's there, it's in that moment that the unexpected happens, that the surprise happens. Because the Lord doesn't say to David, go ahead and build a house for me. No, what the Lord says to David is, I will build a house for you. And here, as is so often the case, the Lord's plans are bigger than our own plans. While King David has in mind a physical building, an earthly building, the Lord has something much bigger in mind. He says, I will build you a house. And what he means is a dynasty, a royal house, that he will build for David a kingdom which has no end, a kingdom which will bring peace on earth, a kingdom in which sin and wickedness will end. In short, God has a plan of salvation that he wants to work through King David. Flash forward to the gospel. It's this plan of salvation that God promised to David that he still bears in mind as he sends the angel Gabriel to come to Mary to announce this plan of salvation. Hail full of grace, the Lord is with you. We know the greeting so well from the rosary. But it's this announcement to Mary that's a fulfillment of everything God promised to David. Her son will sit on the throne of David and rule forever. He's the one who will establish the kingdom that drives out sin, that takes away wickedness. And Mary's response is, you know, not caught up in the exteriors of life, but she's very much attuned to the Lord, to what what God's plan is. And so her response, let it be done to me according to your word. Simply yes. It's a simple yes to God's plan. It's a simply simply a, a giving over of permission to God to let God be God. Because in God's plan of salvation, he's the only savior. I think so many times, I think this is true of my own life, it's easy to get caught in this, of thinking that we have to be the ones to make the difference in the world, that we have to be the saviors of the world. And it's good news that indeed the world already has a savior and we're not it. That God has a plan of salvation that he's been preparing thousands of years and that it's personal. 
it touches our lives. That God's plan of salvation includes us, it includes our loved ones, it includes our country, all the sets of relationships we have are a part of God's plan for our salvation. So this very short fourth week of Advent, that's only a few hours long, it's an invitation to let God be God. In these final hours, can we give God the space to work in our hearts to set aside some of the exterior concerns and pay attention to God's word, to pay attention to the silence and to allow God to fill our holiday planning, our family gatherings, our baking, our cooking, our Christmas preparation. Can we trust in God's plan that he wants to work out salvation for us? And we say with Mary, our mother, let it be done to me according to your word.